most people think of Julie Andrews as an acting legend. She starred in numerous films on Broadway musicals that still stand the test of time, including Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. In both of these films, Andrews is able to portray a character who has an innate gift for working with children and helping each of them find confidence, strength, and success in themselves, even when others don't. She is able to share her gift with the children in her care, and they fall in love with her passion and look to her for guidance. Well, Sycamore, today we are extremely lucky to have such a person in our district who has the same effect on both students and staff alike. Today, Spartan Chat has the opportunity to meet with our version of Mary Poppins herself, Lisa Winters, who is the district math coach. Students and staff are always excited to see her walk into the building because they know that she, when she enters the class, she brings a carpenter bag of her own special gifts and makes everyone super califragilistic, expialidocious. Today, Mrs. Winters is going to tell us more about the importance of math fact fluency and what this actually means. She also will talk about the math fact progression and the reason for why math facts are in a particular order that may be different from what we've learned in the past. I know that by the end of this podcast, you will have no doubt that the district found an absolute gem. You are also going to notice why kids feel that when it comes to math, Mrs. Winters is practically perfect in every way. Good morning, uh, Mrs. Winters. We're so happy to have you here today. Wow. Well, let me just first say that I'm I'm humbled by your words, John, and I'm very happy to be here myself. I I love what I do and feel really lucky to be a part of the Sycamore School District. Well, thanks. Hey, we're going to start off with just a few questions here, uh, and we'll have you just answer uh, to your comfort level and, and what you think is uh, important here. So we're going to start off with, can you explain to our listeners what fluency actually means in terms of math and what that might look like at different grade levels? Well, I'm really glad you asked. I have to tell you that that's been a really important question that we as teachers in Sycamore have been asking ourselves and feel really comfortable. I think we're to a place where we feel very comfortable in answering it with certainty. It became really important that we understood what fluency was because it's definitely a part of our standards at every grade level. You know, in kindergarten, we expect students to fluently add and subtract within five, for example. And then that progresses in first grade where we ask students to become fluent with addition and subtraction within 10. And it's not until the end of their second grade year that they actually need to know um, from memory all sums of two one-digit numbers. But throughout the second grade year, we're building fluency um, related to those facts. And then by third grade, of course, we move right into multiplying and dividing. And the better part of our year is spent I'm working on students' fluency, but by the end of the year, the expectation shifts, and we expect that by the end of the third grade year, students know from memory all of their multiplication facts of just two one-digit numbers. And then by fourth grade, fluency, that term comes up again as children work to add and subtract multi-digit whole numbers. Um, that's the expectation. And by fifth grade, of course, it's fluently multiplying multi-digit whole numbers. And so I think oftentimes when people hear that word fluent, um, they oftentimes associate it with memorization or students automatically, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing their facts, you know, developing a level of automaticity. But it's actually very different. Um, fluency does not mean that you're automatic with your facts. 
And it's not the act of actually, you know, replicating um, someone else's, you know, maybe my procedures for doing math. In other words, it's not copying my teaching of a specific algorithm or strategy. It's actually the act of really thinking and reasoning and doing mathematics on your own. We don't want students in our district to just memorize rules and procedures in isolation and really lack any real understanding for why they're doing what they're doing and how and why some of their strategies work. Fluency is really about focusing on efficiency, accuracy, and really students' flexibility in their thinking. And would you say that the more fluent they become, the more automatic it will just naturally happen? It really will, and we've seen it repeatedly. We have so many classrooms right now in our district that are doing such outstanding work around developing students' fluency. You know, they're not just moving from skip counting right into memorization. There's this whole middle step that's really critical that we refer to as fluency, and we want to make certain that out of respect for children, that we spend a lot of time at every grade level really operating in that zone. Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like when I was younger, it was all about automaticity. Mm-hmm. We had to learn everything so quickly. Mm-hmm. We weren't told why we were learning it. Mm-hmm. We were just told because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think it's. I think this is a different uh, philosophy, really, uh, trying to teach us that it's important to teach the reason for why behind everything. Let the kids have that developmental understanding um, because they'll make stronger connections than for things that happen later in math as well. Absolutely. And you know what? If, if there's one thing that we care most about, it's that students view themselves as mathematicians and that they love it. And if we can accomplish those two things, I really believe, John, there is nothing that we can't teach children. When they know that we believe in them, they believe in themselves. And when we give them the luxury of time to develop um, their work with basic facts and truly with all concepts, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're able to rise to the challenge when they have that level of agency or confidence in themselves. Yeah, sometimes we underestimate how much a kid actually knows, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it's interesting, too, because research actually suggests that once students have memorized and practiced procedures that they don't really understand, they have less motivation moving forward to understand the meaning or the reasoning behind them. And so, really, the development of students' conceptual understanding of procedures should proceed or should actually even coincide with instruction. That's why in so many of our classrooms in Sycamore, we now have teachers that are incorporating opportunities for students to write their own number stories number stories that they actually associate with their basic facts. So they do have deep, critical understanding of what it actually means to add and to subtract or to multiply Mm -hmm. and to divide. And so when you go into our classrooms, you see a lot of anchor charts up that are all about the ingredients necessary to write a cohesive number story. And we love it because in those instances, students are reading, they're writing, Mm -hmm. and they're actually doing math as well. And it's just a wonderful way to build a conceptual, really deep conceptual understanding of what those um, operations mean. That's awesome. And then as far as the, what, like at what age would you say kids are starting to work on some of those um, story problems? Already in kindergarten. Wow. Um, last year we had kindergarten children that were writing number stories and they were giving them to first graders to solve. <laughs> so that was really fun. And um, I, I am just so incredibly amazed by the gifted and talented teachers that we have in our district, um, throughout our, our district. And 
um, to be able to go into their classrooms and to see what they're doing and how they take some of this information and really make it their own. And what we're really finding is that in so many instances, um, students are far exceeding our expectations. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. Well, Lisa, thank you. We're going to actually pause for a quick break. Um, and we're going to go to a couple of commercials from our sponsors for Spartan Chat. And uh, we just want to thank them for uh, supporting us and making this broadcast possible. I wish I didn't have a sweet tooth. If only I brushed my teeth last night. It's all because of school, Mom. I fit off more than I can chew. Trying to avoid the dentist? Don't delay. I risk tooth decay. Call Bosma today. At Bosma Dental in Sycamore, you can count on them to give you a smile worth a million bucks. And you will soon want to show off those pearly whites. Trick or treat! Give me something good to eat. Well, at the Decal Confectionery, there are no tricks, just treats. That's right, come on down and meet the candy man as he fills your bags with nothing but sweet treats. The Decal Confectionery has been a proud staple in Decal for more than 41 years. Stop in today and visit the candy man who mixes everything with love and is sure to make the world taste not good, but great. And we're back. Uh, thanks. Uh, this is Spartan Chat, and we're sitting here with Lisa Winters talking about everything there is with math fact fluency and the difference it is between fluency and automaticity. And uh, Lisa, the next couple of questions we're going to lead to uh, actually have to deal with uh, finding out how do we know when a child is fluent, and then we're also going to be talking about how as parents we can help our children since it's not something that we are maybe comfortable with or something that we did in the past mm -hmm. and in what ways we could do that. But let's start off with um, uh, how do you know when a child is fluent? I think what I'd like to just first begin by saying um, is that automaticity um, or just knowing your facts automatically is the goal, right? We want students to get to a place where they just automatically know their basic facts. But prior to making that their reality, it's important that students have developed efficiency. And when I say that, what I really mean is that they understand that there are a multitude of strategies. And we want to be able to teach into those strategies because um, there are times when certain strategies lend themselves well to particular problems. Let me give you an example because I think it's often really common to hear parents say things like, why can't my child just learn to add or subtract the way in which I did? And the answer to that would be they do. They do, but we also provide them with a lot of additional tools um, in terms of making sense of the mathematics. And an example of that would be if we were to present children with a problem like 300 minus 199, if a student used the strategy that I was taught of beginning in the ones place and then moving to the tens and seeing that yet there's another zero there and now I need to move on into the hundreds and borrow from that 300 and then bring it over to the tens, there's so much opportunity for error. And that particular strategy isn't what's most efficient. We want children to get to a place where they look at a problem and they see that 199 and they think, gosh, I could just add one. And if I did, I'd get myself to 200. And then I could just add 100 more. And now I'm at 300. And so my answer is actually 101 and how quickly that is, um, that they're able to compute like that. 
And so that really speaks to efficiency, but it also speaks to flexibility. You know, the awareness that there's more than one way in which I can solve a problem. And it's really up to us as teachers to be so explicit in our instruction that students do develop a bag of tricks, you know, a bag of strategies that they ask themselves when they look at a problem. What would make the most sense in terms of my solving? Their own carpenter bag. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so as uh, parents, what is it that we can do to help our children become more fluent at home? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I think would be um, very different, actually, from the way in which I was taught and perhaps for many parents, the way in which they were taught Um, I remember playing around the world in my classroom. I remember lots of time tests. Um, I remember student scores being up in the classroom for everyone to see where they were in terms of a fact set. And we really work hard in Sycamore to make this work intrinsic. And um, we also believe that there's a progression in which the facts need to be unfolded. And so, for example, in multiplication, we begin by building knowledge of a foundational set of facts. You know, we know like when we build a home, if we don't have a strong foundation, that home isn't going to stand um, Mm -hmm. the, the test of time. And so the same is true really in our work as teachers. We begin by working with the twos facts and then the tens facts and the fives and the ones and the zeros and even their doubles facts like two times two and three times three. And the belief behind that is that if students have a strong foundational knowledge of facts, that we can build on that to what we call derived facts. So like if you know your times two's facts, think about how much more easily and better equipped you will be to work on your fours or to work on your sixes or even your eights. And so why do you think they chose those facts to be the foundational facts they're just really friendly you know when we think about times twos we are times fives or times tens we have kids that come into us you know in third grade the year where we really spend a lot of good time on multiplication and division children enter into our classrooms already being able to skip count by twos Mm -hmm. by fives by tens and so it's a really comfortable place to start and when we talk about the value of building confidence in students We love to begin there because they're very confident when they come in. And it really helps to set the stage for, we believe you can do this, and then they begin to believe as well. And are there resources that we can use to help our kids at home? Um, One of the things, um, I have the luxury of working with an extremely talented group of math specialists. Um, Brooke Wright is at Southeast, and Linnell Lind is at South Prairie. Um, Heather Motley is at North Grove. And then we have Emily Sullivan. Um, She actually works at North. And then um, we have Carrie Countryman at West. And so we work very collaboratively as a team. And one of the things that they've really placed value on is games. And we've developed so many different resources together for classroom teachers to really um, be mindful of the fact that one of the very best ways Um, to really work on your facts is through games because we ultimately care that math is fun. You know, if Mm -hmm. we want kids to love it, it needs to be fun. And they need to to leave their time with us feeling like, I can't wait to do this again tomorrow. And so for parents, we've put together several resources 
um, in terms of games. And again, this round of conferences will be pulling out yet some other options in terms of games because we just want to make certain that we're we're best supporting parents um, along the lines of being able to sit down with their children and, and play games together. And the nice thing about those games is usually it's stuff that they already have at home mm-hmm. um, so that it's not something that's cumbersome or expensive for them to go out and buy or purchase, right? It's uh, oftentimes just even a math deck of cards or dice that you might have at home or simple paper and pencil, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's great. But here, another question I guess we have is if they miss the opportunity at, uh, let's say, um, maybe they're listening now and it's after conferences, is there a way that they can still access this? Is there somewhere like a website, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere for them to go mm-hmm. in order to find it? Yeah, that's a really great question. So we're actually putting together a resource now, and I can't take credit for it. Again, it's the math specialist that will be launched on Parent Square. Um, awesome. that will provide a lot of um, resources and will continue to add to that collection. I would also really encourage parents to talk to their classroom teachers because they are just a wealth of information um, and have a lot of helpful resources, too, that they could um, share with them once again if they're feeling like they never received these resources or don't maybe know <laughs> where those resources are. Sure. So um, that's really important to know. Well, Lisa, we really appreciate you coming today and taking the time to talk to all of us about your passion for math and love for it. Um, It's infectious. Uh, That's why the students and the staff are always so eager to have you come into the rooms. And we can't uh, thank you enough. The parents in this district are so lucky to have you. Uh, And so we just wish you the best uh, for the rest of the year. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for this opportunity. Until next time, you're listening to Spartan Chat Radio. Bye, Sycamore.